the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast, explaining the news coming out of the complex worlds of finance, economics, and politics, and the impact it will have on everyday Americans. Author, investment banker, consumer advocate, analyst, and trader, Chris Markowski. Okay, um, yeah, coming to you. Beautiful day here at uh, the epicenter, uh, ground zero for the for the crisis. Uh, it is. It's. Uh, I'm at ground zero. That's that's the reality of it. Uh, this, you take a look at the numbers, uh, New York metropolitan area. Uh, we've been getting whacked, and again, it was to be expected as this uh, virus works its way through works its way through the area, and the healthcare professionals are doing the job that they need to do. Um, they're in fact they're doing a great job. They are. This is not, however, like we've been saying, the apocalypse by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Actually, I'm looking forward to going outside and uh, running around a little bit today uh, to take the kids over to uh, one of the fields. Backyard's still a little wet and beat on them with my lacrosse stick a little bit, have a little bit of fun. Um, anyway, anyway, um, businesses are, are definitely... I, I don't know right now, based upon the conversations that I'm making, the things that I'm reading, I, I don't know who's going to survive and who's not going to survive. I would hope that many uh, landlords out there would, uh, in essence, feel the pain of the people that are renting spots, all the restaurants in, in New York, uh, the mom and pop places out there that kind of separate uh, New York from many places around the world. That's again, I, I never, I, I talked about that here on the program and you know, people come to New York city and they, they, they get the big tourist area there, times square, which I cannot stand. I, I really, I, I can't, I just, it's, it's just not my bag. I cannot, I try to avoid that area at all costs. And, and you take a look at all the, um, the restaurants that they have <laughs> in that area. And they're all chains that you could find that, uh, at Universal Studios in Orlando, or, or why would you go to New York and go there? Do a little homework. Go to the, go to the mom and pop places that are just so unique and so great. In some of the, the, the non-touristy areas of Manhattan, like for example, up on the Upper East Side, there aren't really any hotels up there. It's a great, fantastic uh, residential area of the city. There are you know how many phenomenal little restaurants up there and reasonable reasonable it's actually it's actually cost me less money to go into the city and eat at the restaurants on the upper east side of manhattan than it is in my town on long island i'm not kidding the main town where i live i'm in centerport long island the main town where i live the town the make the big town there with all the restaurants is, is huntington and too is mom and pop places but the, it's just booming and I guess the rents must be just off the charts, and the food's expensive. It's kind of annoying to me. But anyway, neither here nor there. Those places we cannot lose. Cannot lose. And I would hope, I would hope that, um, and I, I assume they would, because I, I think that they're worried too. I think landlords are coming to grips with the fact that the commercial real estate market is just not going to be the same for a long time. And I, I, I'm going to talk about it this, this weekend on my, uh, my show talking about real estate 
and the future of real estate. It's one of the things that's going to change after this crisis. Um, do I think, do I, do I recognize, do I, uh, do I, and people out there that are saying it's going to be the end of people going into work and working together, that's, that's nonsense. That's nonsense. There's only so much Zoom you can do. And, and let's be honest here. Not many people work that well at home. There, there is, we are a social, we're, we're social beings. And I'm sorry, you know, it's great that we have um, Skype and FaceTime. And I, I've got my home studio here that I've set up. Many of you have seen me doing my television appearances and you can grab them off YouTube if you hadn't catch them on TV or, or on our website at watchdogonwallstreet.com. I'm doing them from home. But I, I got to be honest with you, I'd much rather be doing them in studio. I, I like people. I do. I, I like to meet people. I like to talk to people. I like to learn things. It's it just, I like to. I don't, I don't mind. People are like, well, you can just do them all from home rather than you know, taking the train into the city. I don't mind. I love the energy of the city. I do. I got that in my blood when I was a kid. My, my parents first took us to the city from Albany. We took an Amtrak train down there. And I see, again, this is the early 70s, and New York wasn't exactly the, uh, the you know, Zurich, like much of it has become after Giuliani was mayor, that it is today. Obviously, it's most certainly slid downhill since de Blasio has taken over, without a doubt. But um, it got my blood. It did. It just, it got in my blood. And I, I, I do like, I love walking down the streets and hearing different languages. I just, I, I love it. I just, it just, my nature. And I like going in. And I think many people do. Many people are not going to want to just spend their life in, you know, pajamas for most of the day. It's, you know, it, it might be novel for a little while. And many people, I actually hearing it right now. People kind of liked it in the beginning. But they're at the point right now, it's just enough is enough. I want to, you know, you want, I want to get back on the train. You complain. You complain about the, the, uh, the crowded subway cars until you don't have it anymore. It's no longer an option. Or, or when you need to clear your head and you want to walk to Central Park or you want to go to the, the Met. One of my, again, I could, if I could take a sabbatical and just walk through and read everything that was in there, I just love the place. And I miss it. I do miss lacrosse, man. I miss it. You know how much I miss lacrosse season right now. You have any idea? Oh my God. My, my daughter, my daughter's team was going to be great. She's a freshman in high school and she's a, you know, a proud dad. I don't go posting stuff on Facebook. Well, she, she made varsity as an eighth grader and she's been busting her butt training and lifting and shooting and playing ball. And she's still, they're all doing it during the time off. I'm trying to get them focused and explain, hey, you can use your, your time off, do your schoolwork, but, you know, let's, let's lift weights. Let's get out. Let's train. Let's do all the things that we need to do. Um, my, my eldest son is a, a junior. Probably be the, uh, the best team in the history of the school. The amount of uh, D1 commits that they have on the team and the quality players, I mean, they were just, they're just going to be awesome this year. I mean, everybody, they won the counties last year, and all of their, their best players are all back and gotten that much bigger and faster and better. So, yeah, we're missing that. We're kind of keeping our fingers crossed and, and holding up hope that maybe they'll restart school. We were supposed to start on April 1st. I don't think that's going to happen. And maybe they'll restart school after Easter. And God willing, 
they'll they won't cancel the spring sports season and maybe they'll they'll modify it to some degree or maybe uh cut down on the playoffs and get the games in there so the kids can get out there and play it's not good not it's you know it's i, I miss it again this time of year my favorite holiday i said how am i gonna do this what we did this year we were gonna do we were gonna do greek easter here Gonna have a ton of people over. I was gonna get get myself a spit, get myself a lamb, get out there at uh, four o'clock in the morning and start that rotisserie. Probably crack a beer at four too, and uh, start that rotisserie and start cooking that lamb. And I, I just, I'm praying that we can still do that. And man, that's gonna be one hell of a party if we can. But anyway, anyway, I, I, I kind of Friday. My, do, my, do I sound like I'm going a little stir crazy here? talking about all these things uh yeah the, the concern is is keeping keeping the character the same i was talking about real estate i know i got off the beaten track um there's a big real estate deal that didn't happen this past week in new york um you remember you can kind of close your eyes and remember okay, what, what year did it come out 77 78 i think the um original superman movie with christopher reeve and the Daily Planet building in the movie was actually the building for the Daily News, an Art Deco building on 42nd Street. Um, gentleman, real estate investor, put a, put a down payment down for $35 million to buy the building. I think it was like an $800 million deal. Buying it from a company that bought it, I think, in 2000 and I think 2011. I could be wrong on that. It's not really important, but bought it for like $260 million back then. I, I, I looked at that, and I said to myself, is this guy out of his mind? Does he have any, I mean, you're going to buy this building for how much? Are you nuts? Are you not seeing what's taking place in New York, not to mention the amount of available space and the amount that's still going up? But anyway, he put his deposit down, and guess what? His lender backed out. Deutsche Bank said, you know what? Nah, nah, we're not, we, 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 we can't do this. Sorry. And hey, does this have, some of this have to do with the fears of what the, what the uh, real estate market's going to look like after the coronavirus? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Without a doubt, it's going to be different. Commercial real estate is going to come down. And I'm not just talking. I'm talking around the country. Businesses are going to be able to go in to various different buildings and say, hey, listen, okay, we want to rent this space. We want to use it for, um, and they're going to put a price. They say, you know what? I don't have to do this. I don't have to spend this money. I can have, I can rotate. I can have half my staff come in for part of the, I can have half of them work on Zoom, we can rotate this around, and I don't have to spend as much money on real estate, and these real estate guys are going to have to recognize that. It's a market. How many times have I tried to explain real estate here on the, um, on the program? There's areas, uh, there's areas of Manhattan that uh, I, was, I was quite fond of years ago. My wife still... Likes to go down there. She still likes to walk around the uh, Soho area south of Houston Street. Not Houston Street. Houston Street. And you get these, these beautiful, uh, beautiful old uh, 
buildings down there, you know, cobblestone streets, and uh, you still have some of the major retailers down there. There's a a Prada store that's just gigantic, um, but I, I just I can't see the place. It's more I think I think it's more of a uh, an advertisement than anything. I, I just it's almost like they have to be there. But the, that whole entire area decades ago when I first moved to New York City actually was uh, up-and-coming designers. Up-and-coming designers, people that knew types of things, and it wasn't overly expensive. And, and what, what, it's, what it's become, what it's become in a, a very uh, short period, well, I guess over a period of time, it's, it's gotten out of control, got so popular. And it forced out all of the small up-and-coming designers and retailers, forced them to leave, forced them to move. They could no longer, no longer do business there. And they left. And it became all the big-name retailers. And guess what? Now they're leaving, too. The amount of empty storefronts that you see in some of these areas. Also, in the West Village, there's on Bleecker Street, heading on the, the, the western part you go you go down to the the west village and some of these areas used to be big shopping areas well, they're, they're just empty storefronts and these are big companies they just said you know what i'd rather pay to break the lease or just continue to pay it you know for a period of time because it's not worth me staying open here it just got too expensive and that's going to reset and it was happening before this it, there's going to be an acceleration of a myriad of different aspects of our economy that are going to reset. You won't see you won't, after this. The I, I don't believe you're going to be seeing many unicorns anymore out of Silicon Valley either. You're not going to see that. Many of these companies, the funding is going to dry up, and people are just going to wash their hands of it. I'm going to be curious to see what you know some of the delivery companies, Grubhub and whatnot, the type of money that they, I mean, they should be making a fortune during this crisis, right? How are people not going to reevaluate and say, "Wait a second, you know, you had the entire people couldn't go out to eat, couldn't go out to eat. They were told to be real careful when they went to the grocery store, and you're a food delivery service, and you couldn't make it during that type of a crisis? Well, you know, I'm going to have to rethink that. But a lot of these companies, I didn't believe we're going to make it anyway. It's just going to accelerate this. And this is the importance, people. This is the importance of focusing on the fundamentals as an investor. For, for decades, again, like I said, this is not my first bear market Anything, maybe five. I can't tell you how many corrections we've been through. I can't. Yeah, have have we had some clients? Again, we've got a you know, we've got offices and places all over the country. Some of the newer people on board calling up, yelling and screaming at us like we could have predicted something like this. Never could. You guys have been listening to me for how long? For how long? I, hey, listen, we called the dot-com collapse. We called the real estate. But it didn't change what we did during that period of time. It didn't change anything. Why would it? 
Why would it? It's an exercise in futility trying to time the markets. If you think it's possible, you're crazy. It is. There's some numbers here that, that I, I actually grabbed. This is from the Wall Street Journal today. And we, we try to make this point very clear, and this is why we dollar cost average. A surprising share of a new bull market's returns pile up when in the early stages when people are most fearful. You take the, the bull market that just ended last month. Putting $100,000 into an S&P 500 index fund on the day the bull market began on March 9th of 2009. And if you just happened, again, you, you had the crystal ball and you sold it at last month's peak. You know what your return would have been? It would have been 630000 Dollars, a hundred thousand dollars into six hundred and thirty thousand dollars. That's without even adding anything into it. Now, if you weren't sure March 9th, you were still worried that um, you might have to buy one of uh, Glenn Beck's uh, bunkers or seed banks, and you were thinking about the um, the washed up guy from uh, the Love Boat and buying gold coins because they feel good in your hands, and you waited. And you, you finally figured it out a couple months later. You know what your return would have been? $450,000. Still good, good return. Hey, make no bones about it. Still a good return. Just two months. Different at 200000 bucks, Close to $200,000. You, you can't wait until things are happy, happy, joy, joy. And you're going to continue to see volatility, people. You're going to continue to see volatility. One of the first columns, one of the first columns that I put out was a column entitled Crystal Ball. I just, I just thought about it in my head right now. Yeah, I, but, and I, I've got to get back into writing again. I've been so, so busy. And we always say, you got to put out more columns. There's only so many hours in a day. There is. I'm, I, and I do. I've got, to, I've got to put some things together and I've got to make a point. Uh, to do that, but uh, you know, maybe next week we'll get in to that column. But anyway, anyway, uh, I'm curious to see. I'm looking forward to see what uh, Donald Trump's plan is going to be for the country um, after this weekend. We're, we're supposed to find. Well, again, 15 days is up on Monday, and he's got uh, some seeing some, some things here where there's plans for classifying coronavirus risk county by county and dealing with it that way. And uh, well, in a letter to the nation's governors, Trump said he and his administration plan to develop criteria to help classify counties with respect to contained risks posed by the deadly coronavirus. He said the use of robust surveillance testing will allow local governments to track the spread of the virus. Counties would be divided into three uh, low, medium, and high risk levels. These categories would be accompanied by new guidelines for state and local policymakers to use in making decisions about whether to maintain, decrease, or increase their social distancing guidelines. Um, again, he, he wants to see businesses start to open up. And, and I can't tell you, 
it matters. Okay, I, I get it. If some of the major metropolitan areas like New York and we need to be uh, hunkered down a little bit longer, I get that. But other areas is, you know, you get them up working and moving and grooving again, it'll help. It'll help overall economic output. And it needs to be done. I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast. I was listening to Cuomo. And Cuomo again today, as the death toll continues to rise here in the New York, which they knew was going to happen. Cuomo made the point of talking about high risk, the people, the at risk people that are dying. I, I paraphrased him yesterday. I'm going to grab this here. Says, I don't even know that that was the best public health policy, talking about the quarantines. Young people then quarantined with older people. It's probably not the best public health strategy. The younger people could have been exposing the older people to an infection. Who said that here on the program? Oh, yeah, that would be me. That would be me. You see, whenever, whenever all of these politicians are doing the exact same thing, and it's always praised as being bipartisan and great, and you see them all acting and doing the same thing, that's when you need to be wary. Every single college and university out there, every single one of them, oh, they couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to shut down and call it off and got to close this and we've got to do that and all of these different things. And I get it. I sit here on the program. I know that they're afraid of getting sued. And, and what the hell do they care? I don't know if you're seeing this around the country, uh, but they're not returning money. There was a, the dean of the Tisch School in, at NYU actually put out a video of her dancing to REM's losing my religion and explaining to the kids that, no, they're not getting their money back. They spent, what is it? What, how much is NYU? It's got to be $75,000, $80,000 a year. Easy. Maybe more, including room and board to stay in New York. And uh, you're doing that. And, and then, wait, wait a second, let me get this straight. You're not going to return any money? You're not going to give anybody a discount moving forward? Nothing like that? They're not using your facilities. That's great. They're doing distance learning. Again, let's go to Will Hunting back in the Goodwill Hunting when he gets into the argument with a kid from Harvard talking about how he got his education with a $1.50 library card. Again, there might be some changes, but ah, people keep saying that, that people are going to start, you know, oh, people are going to realize kids can do distance learning and they're not going to do this. It's going to change colleges and universities and the cost. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, colleges and universities is keeping up with the Joneses on steroids. Okay. It's an ego thing. It is what it is. It's not going to change. I know even Andy Kessler wrote about that in the wall street journal. I'd say, Andy, um, you got to look into human nature to some degree. It's not going to happen. That's not going to change. But anyway, I, I saw that. I saw this doesn't make any sense. Let the kids stay on campus. Let them finish up. We can send them home. What was the first thing that's going to happen? Their grandparents are going to want to see them. 
Family get together. What do you think is going to, oh, you think at that point in time, they weren't telling people to stay away from one another. I said, all these kids are going to come home and many of them probably have it and they don't know it. Or if they got light symptoms and it doesn't matter and they're probably passing it off to one another. We got a high school. I was talking about the other day. We got a high school up the road from us. It's a big time, uh, Catholic school, St. Anthony's. And it's got thousands of kids. And I've been in the school when classes are changing over. It's like a New York city subway. It's so crowded. Oh, you didn't think that it got passed through there? And so most of these kids probably have gotten it in some way, shape, matter, form. I'm starting to think that I probably had it. We, uh, back, back when you know, the coronavirus first came into the, um, the United States back in January, um, it wasn't made out to be that big of a deal, and I was taking a look at the numbers and who it affected, and we went to Florida. Went to Florida. In February, and I, I picked up this respiratory thing, felt it in my lung. And again, I, I, I don't know. I don't know for a fact. I really don't. I could have been, you know, some of the pollen bothered me. I, you know, it took me for a while to get rid of it. My wife had it a little bit too. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to other people today saying, yeah, yeah, we had, you know, we were sick for a couple days here in the house. You don't know. We don't know. But again, we, we just had everybody doing the same thing. Everybody doing the same thing. And even Cuomo is now starting to question what was done. But now he's, he's coming to the realization here that, and I, I think he's getting the numbers in regards to who is at risk. Who is at risk? It doesn't want to overwhelm the health care system and also understands that guess what? What am I going to have? How many people? It's already bad enough as it is for New York with the amount of people up and leaving the state. What is he going to do? Raise taxes? You're kidding, right? You're kidding. Because now with, like I said, some of this technology that people are getting used to. They're going to go to their boss. They're going to say, I'm sorry, my taxes are too damn high. This is getting ridiculous. I am going to move here, and I want to work from home from there. I, we did this during the thing. Why can't I do it now? And a lot of these bosses will be like, like okay, okay, we'll do that. Other well, people, different situations. Their kids are going to finish up school, whatnot. I, you know, it's, it's going to change things. And I, he's not stupid in that sense. The money has to come from somewhere. And he can't start printing New York State bucks. Okay? Everybody's going to have their hand out because they're not going to be able to make their... You know, there's only so much to go around. And some difficult decisions are going to need to be made. And I think that they get that. I do. That the fear, my, my fear is this, is that the media has done such a damn... I mean, a fantastic job because there's a lot of sheep out there. They listen to anything that the people say on, on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, anything that they say. They, nobody has any sort of doubt. They, if it's on TV, they believe it, which is it's ridiculous. We've been perpetually lied to by the mainstream media. Oh, 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 this one said, and that one said, and this one said, and that one. There's no scientific consensus in regards to how to go about dealing with this thing. There isn't. None. 
And again, every single time when I see the entire, all these politicians doing the same thing, I get nervous. I think I might have mentioned this before. There was a scene. There's a scene in the uh, movie, it's a zombie movie, World War Z. And uh, it had to deal with how the Israelis, the Israelis protected themselves and protected uh, Jerusalem from the zombies, the zombie hordes from this virus. And um, what happened was, was that, you know, they heard about this virus that I guess in the movie it came from India and in Israel, you know, they all sit down. I guess they had a, a deal when they're facing some issue that pops up there. If everyone at the table, everyone at the table says it's not a big deal, it's not a threat, don't worry about it, then one person has to say no, and we have to do something else, and we have to prepare for it. Obviously, you know, it could go to, you know, the, the, what happened in the Holocaust. Nobody actually believed oh, that's not happening. No way. That could never happen. And look what happened. When everybody's doing the same thing, people, you, you, have to, you have to start saying, well, something might be wrong here. Something might be, might not, but something might be wrong. And I, like I said, I don't, I don't trust these people in power because, you know what, they fear more than, you know, all these politicians, you know, they don't fear the coronavirus. They don't fear zombie apocalypse. They fear being ripped on and ganged up on by the mainstream media. That's what they fear. That's what they fear. That, that is their biggest fear. And, and again, that's something that throughout most of his presidency, Donald Trump could really give a damn. I, I don't know how he's going to come out on this one. This is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit different. It's, it's already happening already. You got uh, that uh, first class a-hole on... Um, MSNBC, Joe Scarborough saying that uh, Donald Trump wants to, in essence, paraphrase, he wants to care about old people and doesn't care if they're going to die. Yeah, crap. It's nonsense like that. It's going to be the usual. Yeah, but Donald Trump is blood on his hands. Let people die because he did this or did that or whatever it may be. Hey, you know, again, why don't we put, uh, you know, like I said yesterday, real simple. Force everybody to drive in this country at 30 miles an hour. Force everybody to drive at 30 miles an hour. That'd be, that, pff, how many highway deaths do you think would be? If with today's automobiles? I have basically next to none, right? We could eliminate almost all highway deaths here in the United States for the most part. I, I, would, I would say we'd probably cut down 75 to 80% of the highway deaths if we just force everybody to drive at 30 miles an hour. Should we do that? Just asking. Anyway, Dr. Um, Dr. Deborah Burks, I call her uh, Dr. Scarf. She loves her scarves, and she's got her own style there. Anyway, um, and, and I do like her. She's very calm up there, uh, measured. I, I do like her when she comes up there. She uh, calmly took apart the media for spreading fake news to panic the public. Um. Finally, she said, okay, this is finally the situation about ventilators. We were reassured in a meeting with our colleagues in New York that there are still ICU beds remaining and there are still significant over a thousand or 2000 ventilators that have not been, uh, not been utilized yet. Please, for the reassurance for the people around the world to wake up this morning and look at people talking about creating DNR 
solution situations do not resuscitate for patients. There is no situation in the United States right now that warrants that kind of discussion. There was a Washington Post report about hospitals quietly talking about the possibility of issuing DNR policies if they are overwhelmed by coronavirus cases. Again, that's what they do. And that's the last thing that hospitals need. People say, oh my God, oh my God, I've got, I've got some, I've, I've got a, like a cold here. I don't feel good, but I better get to the hospital so I can get in line first just in case I need a ventilator. It's mobs. That's, a top, that's what happens. But, but again, the people in the media, they're never going to take responsibility for all their might and would and could and should uh, articles that they put out there. Never in a million years. Anyway, this is interesting as well. The last, again, last week on the program, you mentioned this yesterday on the podcast. Last week on the program, the big story that everybody was talking about was the Imperial College of London and their study in regards to the amount of deaths that would occur in the United States, close to 2 million. The guy who um, put the study out, Neil Ferguson, um, he originally estimated 500,000 deaths in the UK. Now says the virus will peak in two to three weeks, and the UK deaths from the disease are now unlikely to exceed 20,000. And he thinks that the he thinks that it, it's been in the UK for a while now, and uh, it, it may have gotten to that um, what is it that 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 herd thing that they keep talking about there. Where most of you know half the people get it, and then it makes it the you know things start to go backwards at that point in time. He thinks it's been in the UK for a much longer period of time. And again, that this is the, the the modeling that we used here in the United States to start making decisions. Anyway, um, you know, before we go here, I know I've gone long here today. I, I have to share you this. I, I do. Um, honestly, who the hell would ever vote for a, a schmuck like this? I mean, the guy is just nonstop. I, I don't even know. I, at this point in time, he might even, he, he, I think he's so used to lying to himself for such a long period of time. I think he believes his own bull crap. Joe Biden is, uh, was doing a, um, an, in, in some sort of interview town hall crap. And he claimed to be, I'm not making this up, he claimed to be an Ivy League professor. He, he gave this eight-minute answer to a question from a, uh, an 18-year-old and what he was doing to appeal to young voters who may favor Bernie Sanders for the Democrat nomination. Uh, he said, there's a lot we can do. When I left the United States Senate, I became a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And bring a, said his uh, professorship established a bond with college students. And then he mentioned that there's a school at the University of Delaware that bears the Biden name. Again, he's been a senator for how long? How much money did he direct to the uh, University of Delaware? He says, I've spent a lot of time on campus with college students. Oh, yeah, that, that professorship, by the way. Oh, oh let's, let's, let's go to the facts here. Uh, Biden was given an honorary professor position. One week after he left. This, again, this is how these politicians get rich. One week 
after he left the vice president's office in 2017, he was given an honorary professor position. Honorary. Yeah. He also misstated the uh, time of becoming the first Benjamin Franklin presidential practice professor when he left the Senate in 2009 to become vice president. He never taught a class. He never was supposed to teach a class. He just showed up for some fundraisers from time to time. The University of Pennsylvania, shame on you, paid Biden $900,000. $900,000 to be a professor where he didn't teach a class, not even attend a class, not even show up at a class. Yeah, I always I always point this out. I got to rewatch the movie. Maybe I want to rewatch it this weekend, depending on the weather. Um, American Hustle with Christian Bale and uh, Amy Adams there in the ab scam. What was that? It was like what was it twenty five fifty thousand dollars in cash to the, uh, the the former what was the mayor of Camden, New Jersey. And the funny thing is, after they busted that thing up, that city went really into the toilet. But anyway. Um, they figured out a way to make it money where you could just hand cash to politicians. No more ab scam. No more handing cash. You could just hey, give a speech, get a position as an honorary professor. You do nothing. Here you go. Here's $900,000. You know how long it takes people to get to a point in time in their life, a small business owner, whatever it may be, to earn $900,000 in cash salary for a year. Now, how long that takes? Decades for most. Decades. You, that's one percenters out there. Joe Biden became a one percenter and he didn't have to do a damn thing. Yeah, vote for Biden. <laughs> what an a-hole. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. I know I went long today. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Our newsletter, consultations with our certified financial planners. All sorts of great stuff. Watchdog on WallStreet.com. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. God bless. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.